and thank you so, so much for hitting play on this podcast. It is Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. This podcast is made in conjunction with the amazing charity Endometriosis Australia, and I'm an ambassador for them. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs, a proud endo warrior. I've got stage four, and I have been open and honest over the years about living with this debilitating disease, which often many will do in silence. One in nine Aussies are affected by endometriosis. And there's also some big stats when it comes to endometriosis and fertility. And that is what this episode is all about. If I've got endo, can I fall pregnant? Will pregnancy cure endometriosis? Just some of the myths that do the rounds when it comes to endo and falling pregnant. So we have got one of the members of the Endometriosis Australia Clinical Advisory Committee to join us, Associate Professor Anush Yazdani. He is an expert when it comes to reproductive endocrinology, assisted reproduction, recurrent IVF failure and pregnancy loss, endometriosis and pelvic pain. He is an expert when it comes to endometriosis surgery. He has got a beautiful manner and just such a lovely person to be chatting to when it comes to fertility and endometriosis. He also speaks about egg freezing, which a lot of people seem to be doing nowadays. So dispelling some of those myths when it comes to endo and pregnancy in this episode, it is all around fertility and endometriosis with Associate Professor Anush Yazdani. Please enjoy. Anush, good morning. Good morning, Ellie. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you going? Nice and busy as usual. Excellent. Yes. Now we're sitting here uh, recording this podcast. I can see that you are you're in your scrubs already. You're in for a busy day. Yes, it's going to be a big day today. So you are an expert when it comes to endometriosis and also fertility. So what are the stats at the moment? Where do they stand when it comes to how many endo warriors will have their fertility affected? Yeah, look, so endometriosis affects about uh, individuals, as you know, and infertility about one in six. So there's quite a significant overlap between those two conditions. But it's actually really quite important to remember that most women diagnosed with endometriosis will actually not necessarily have any problems falling pregnant at all. So while it is common to have fertility problems in women who have endometriosis, in fact, the majority of women who have endometriosis will not necessarily need to access procedures such as IVF. Okay, well, that that's good news because a lot of people may think, oh, I've got this issue with my downstairs Mm. bits my lady parts that might mean well I can't have kids but that's not Mm. always the case Um, if it is taking time for you to fall pregnant then yes you probably do need to look down the avenues of going to a fertility specialist but why in those circumstances uh, you know the one in six why is the fertility affected by the endo yeah look endometriosis causes fertility for a whole lot of different reasons Um, number one is that the endometriosis affects the way that the sperm and the egg get together so it can cause uh, a distortion in the tube for example through adhesions and scars and so it may make it difficult for the sperm and the egg to get together and therefore make their way to the tube uh, to the uterus i should say rather sorry um the second thing it can do is it can interfere with the way that the sperm and the egg interact with each other but also the way that the embryo so the fertilized egg implants inside of the uterus and it also causes changes in the way that hormones interact 
with each other. It is often associated with pain and people who have pain don't like having sex if there's pain with intercourse. So it's understandable that it also interferes with intercourse, but also with relationships in general. The next thing it can do is that some of the treatments that we give while you're taking them and not in the long term, but while you're taking them will interfere with you falling pregnant on the oral contraceptive pill in order to control your cycles. Obviously, that will stop you from conceiving. And then the last thing that we now know is that endometriosis does have other impacts as well. So, for example, it can be associated with a reduced egg count, and it may also be associated with long-standing changes in the way that the endometrium and the lining responds. And so, therefore, even if you remove it completely, that there are still some residual problems. These are all measurable, but not necessarily actually affect the way that people can conceive. So if an endo warrior is having it, what is the best thing to go? Like how, what's, yeah. what's the window? Where should we be going? What's the first steps? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think there are a couple of things that I that we always recommend people should do. So number one is, having the facts are the most important is the most important uh most important step in your management so you should always know to what extent the endometriosis has affected your fertility so if you've had a laparoscopy um it's very important that you know to what degree it, for example distorts the tubes and how well they have been uh repaired or what the state so you should have an understanding from your specialist about what things you should look out for the second thing is that in any uh couple or in any person trying to conceive who has been diagnosed with endometriosis we say that you should consult someone who has an interest uh or who's a specialist in infertility after you've been trying to fall pregnant for six months unless there is another problem and another problem may be that your cycles are not coming regularly if you're having problems having sex if we know that your egg count is quite significantly reduced or if for example we know that there's a problem with you know uh, the other half of the equation is sperm and that makes up about 50 percent of all of the problems that i see so we can't forget about that issue either so is there any easy way to figure out the egg count or is it is it going and getting a blood test? Is there some sort of test you can do at home? Yeah. So thankfully, we now have a number of ways that we assess the egg count. And one of them is by a blood test called an AMH, an anti-malarian hormone, which your GP can organize for you. And that gives you an idea of where your egg count sits compared to other women in your age range. But it's important to never interpret that by itself. Uh, you would always look at in consultation with other assessments. So for example, I would look at the ovaries and we would do an ultrasound scan and we correlate those two together. So that then tells us about your true ovarian reserve. And again, your ovarian reserve does not necessarily correlate with your fertility. There are other elements to fertility, like we said, uh, the sperm issues. And there's also as well other factors too, your environmental ones, your stress, diet, exercise absolutely all of those things do take into account falling pregnant absolutely so fertility is not just about sperm and eggs so while that's important um 
lots and lots of other factors affect your fertility, which is why there's no simple answer into how you manage this situation. It's really important to see a specialist in this area who can then give you all of the appropriate advice and set and, and provide the correct setting for you so that you have options. Is it true that if you have a laparoscopy and you get rid of, so to speak, the endometriosis, then you try and fall pregnant, you'll have a better chance because you have kind of, you know, cleaned the system out, so to speak? Yeah, so we have really quite good evidence on that now. So if you have been diagnosed with endometriosis and the disease has been uh, removed, then we know that your chance of conceiving naturally is significantly improved after such surgery. The impact of that on assistance, so for example, IVF, is a little bit more controversial, but certainly removes your chances of conceiving naturally. So you do work in the field of IVF as well. Um, I have yes. done multiple cycles and it is a very scary thing to walk into for an endo warrior who has been told, okay, IVF is going to be your next path. What would you say to one of those? Look, I, I think the need for IVF can be really, really quite daunting. Mm. But you need to, uh, I, I think people who have been affected by endometriosis need to understand that IVF is now a really, really common intervention. And in fact, one in 20 children conceived in Australia are through some form of assistance. The second thing is that when you read about IVF, you read about all of the awful things <laughs> and the um, and the problems of winding up on a, on a merry-go-round and the hormonal changes and but you need to understand a very long way and that we have multiple different treatment modalities and your fertility specialist should be able to give you really good information on what your journey is likely to be like and also what the outcomes of that are so that you're well prepared. All also provide significant support and counselling and so there's lots and lots of help available for those people who need it in this journey. Mm, and it's interesting you you mentioned the roller coaster of emotions, having yes. you know been through it. It truly is. Um, but the support that you do get through the clinic, dating the one that I did, uh, I was able to speak uh, regularly to a counsellor. So you have got that support. Mm. And I know now, um, you know, at, at the time I didn't want to go out and tell anyone because it was almost like I was ashamed. And then I just kind of went, oh well. No, I'm not ashamed because I have got a condition which has affected my chances of fertility doing it. And I think that more people should be allowed to speak openly about their experience and not feel ashamed because it's not, it's not, it's not your fault. Ellie, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, a number of years ago, the WHO, in fact, identified infertility a, as a disease just like every other disease that we have, like endometriosis. And so it is a disease and people with infertility have the right to be supported like everybody else. And, you know, we have mental health awareness programs. We have all sorts of programs to uh, assist people who are, uh, who are suffering from things such as in infertility. And so I, I think we need to just be much more open about this uh, in terms of assisting people and helping people. And it should not be something that you feel that you need to hide away uh, or be ashamed of because it's not your fault. It's not something that you have done. And I think part of 
this is also the conversation that people do need to be aware and and you know lots of podcasts and lots of support that we do that talks about lifestyle and talks about um, management options and improving your chances of success sometimes inadvertently make you think that for some reason it's your fault that your endometriosis has become an issue it's because you had three cups of coffee and you didn't drink water the right way or you didn't exercise enough and that's absolutely not the case okay women with endometriosis who have infertility are affected by a specific disease process and making all of those sort of lifestyle changes are really important in terms of improving their success but they are not the cause of the problem and therefore there should not be any guilt over anything that's happened in the past Mm. around that what about egg freezing there seems to be a lot of talk around that at the moment i know there's uh, many celebrities have come out saying that they're doing it but i even know that some of my friends too who are under the age of 30 are looking into egg freezing because they haven't found mr right and they're concerned yeah. that egg quality will, uh, you know, go down, which it does as you get older. But how does the egg freezing process work? Okay. So over the pandemic, this has become a really big issue, of course, because, you know, we've all been locked up for the last two years and people haven't been able to progress in their normal relationships. And so it's given people also some time to reflect on the value of families and, uh, and on fertility. And so we did see quite a lot egg freezing as uh, the pandemic sort of uh, set in. Uh, the way that it works is that um, once you have been, uh, one, it, it really depends on where you are in your life, okay? And that's really the most important conversation to have over here is, so someone who is 30, who knows that they are not going to be, uh, that they're not going to be having children until they are 37 for career or professional choices, should be looking at freezing eggs whenever they can. However, if you're young and the quality of the eggs is really dependent on your age, and so a young person who's under the age of 30 who knows that she's in fact going to be having a family in the next one to two years, there's probably a more limited value in terms of freezing eggs in that situation. And if there is, it's unlikely that your chances of freezing your eggs at the age of 29 will be very different to where what your chances are at the age of 31, for example. And it's for that reason, again, that we say that it it is not just a one-step solution. It's about having a conversation about your goals and your ambitions and where you are in terms of uh, your life journey as to whether or not a decision to freeze eggs is right for you. The process of freezing eggs itself is really quite simple. It involves running an IVF cycle and we run a modified IVF cycle um, that has a lower level of impact than you would see, for example, in a IVF cycle that we do uh, when you're trying to uh, fall pregnant because we change the way that we use some of the hormones. And at the end of it, then there is an egg pickup and that's a 15 minute procedure and all of the eggs can then be frozen. Under the age of 35, we recommend freezing about 14 eggs to give you about an 80% chance of a pregnancy later on. Now, the whole process takes about two weeks. It involves about four or five visits in that period of time only. Each one of them takes about 15 minutes. um, And that process should not interfere with the rest of your life. It's just on the day of the egg pickup that you do need to make some arrangements. Once the eggs have been frozen, 
they can stay frozen indefinitely. Five, 10 years, your chance of conception will always be locked in at the age at which you have frozen your eggs. Wow. So it's a fairly straightforward procedure. Yeah, so just sitting there like some frozen chicken fillets in the freezer, just waiting, waiting yeah, to come correct. out and be defrosted. <laughs> yeah. So they're, 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 and the other advantage is, of, the, of course, that eggs can travel with you. So if you go overseas, if you live uh, interstate, your eggs can always follow you regardless of where they are. So it's a way of preserving fertility for those where, in fact, it is not possible to or where it's not appropriate to proceed with uh, pregnancy at this time. But of course, this is only part of the issue of delayed childbearing for whatever reason in our society. And so while IVF and egg freezing is one aspect of this, a much more important aspect is also normalization of reproduction for women in the workplace. So we need to put into place all of the sort of things that exist in other countries. So for example, allowing more appropriate childcare, time off, rebates for people who need to look for, uh, who need to um, access childcare. So all of those sort of things are really, really, really important. And egg freezing is only one component of normalization and reproduction. When it comes to the finances of something like IVF ballpark figure, what are we looking at? Yeah, so look, it, it depends on why and what you're having done and where you're going to be seen. But in Australia, the cost of an IVF cycle is somewhere between five to $7,000 out of pocket, depending on where you are and depending on what you need to have uh, done. When you speak to your fertility specialist, they will be able to give you all of that information. And again, you know, Google, have a little look and see uh, all of the units will provide you with information specific to you so that you know exactly what you're uh, um, signing yourself up for. And Anush, one of the myths of endometriosis and uh, the cure, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> and this is something that a doctor once said to me was, if you go and have a baby, that'll cure your endometriosis. Now, at the time, I knew that wasn't the case and I wanted to slap this doctor in the face, but I didn't. I held back. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't cure endometriosis pregnancy, does it? No, absolutely it does not. So like um, other hormonal interventions like um, being on the pill, it caps the progress of the disease while you're pregnant and while you're breastfeeding. And of course, you don't have any periods. So if your pain specifically is just related to your periods, anything that stops your periods will give you a break while you're not having any periods like it does through pregnancy, but it does not cure endometriosis. And so if you have been diagnosed with endometriosis, there is often a focus on uh, reproduction because obviously having a pregnancy is a really, really important component of people's lifestyle choices at a time when diagnosed. But in fact, that focus isn't should never be that pregnancy will cure endometriosis. Um, and so this needs to then be reassessed after you've had a baby and after you've stopped breastfeeding. And we will then normally re-engage again. When you meet your endometriosis specialist, so your endometriosis specialist often becomes, in fact, your specialist for life. So this journey often takes uh, my patients from uh, young girls and teenagers through their reproductive years 
then through to menopause. And it's a whole life journey. It's not just a focused journey, just on very specific areas of trying to get you uh, to this point and then having a hysterectomy because it'll all be over. That is not the way it works in endometriosis. And if you do um, go and see a specialist and you're not happy with the results, you, you can, I guess, shop around, so to speak, find someone who you're comfortable with. Of course. It's like anything else, you know. It's like buying shoes. You know, got to find the right one that suits <laughs> well, it's you. it's like dating. And, yeah, it is absolutely right. It's about finding the right person who has the right information and the right connection for you at that time and now that also means that that may be different at different life stages because you need something different so it may be that at some stage also your endometriosis specialist will switch in other people who may need to be uh, available so we always talk about managing endometriosis in an interdisciplinary or a multidisciplinary team that involves a gynecologist, but also involves often pain specialists, fertility specialists, counsellors, nurses, physiotherapists, complementary uh, treatment. So all of those sort of things are what are part of the network of management of endometriosis in 2022. Mm, and it does seem like a lot, and you're probably thinking, my gosh, that's going to cost a lot of money. But there is a, a lot of support coming through now when it comes to the finances. I know that Minister Greg Hunt, before he wrapped up, he was able to get a lot of money put in to help out endometriosis patients. So hopefully moving forward, it's going to get easier as well financially for the endo worries of Australia. Exactly, Ellie. And, you know, I, I, I think most of our public hospitals now do have appropriate um, expertise mm. in place. And with all of this, it's really important to establish your own network in exactly the same way as you had just said, of the people that work for you. So it may mean having finding your own nutritionist or your own physiotherapist, but certainly every woman in Australia should have access to someone who can at least provide her with the appropriate information to gather that network around her. Endometriosisaustralia.org is also a fantastic place to get all of the information from as well when it comes to endometriosis. And you work closely with the team here at Endo Australia as well, in which we love you being part of it. And you're about to take part in the big endo trick as well, aren't you? Oh, yes. So we're raising funds for anyone who please come and support us. Endotrek uh, starts on Wednesday and we're raising research for endometriosis through Endometriosis Australia. So please come and support us. And uh, we'd love to have your support for this. You're going to be trekking through the beautiful scenic rim of Queensland. Hopefully the weather's not quite cool in Queensland. So I hope that you've got your uh, your thermals with you. Yes. I, oh, my God. Yes, we are so packed. I've got all of my bits and pieces organised. So I think we will have an absolute ball with the team. It's such a great initiative as well to be raising money for Endometriosis Australia. Anush, thank you so much for your time. On this, based in Brisbane, we can come and see you. You're at Eve Health, always taking Absolutely. on new patients. Ellie, yes, of course. And we're happy also to assist in any situation. Eve, so thank um, you very much for that. Much appreciated. EveHealth.com.au for all the information. Thank you so, so much, Anush, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Ellie. 
He is absolutely amazing. Such a fun and informative chat. Learnt so much. Catching up with Associate Professor Anush Yazdani. If you are in Brisbane or you live near Brizzy, you would like to get in contact with him and the team at Eve Health evehealth.com.au the place to go to and he did mention the endo trek as well through the scenic rim you can make donations go to endometriosisaustralia.org for all of the information around that you could also take part in the next endo trek will be happening over in WA it's going to be absolutely beautiful all the details are on the website and as usual if you have enjoyed this podcast please share it with your other endo warriors they can learn and if you have enjoyed it as well, make sure you give it a rating, give it five stars, leave a little review as well, because by doing that, it actually lets other people know that there is a podcast around about endometriosis. And that is what this is all about, creating a conversation, getting awareness out there, and hopefully one day, one day, we'll be able to find a cure for the one in nine who battle endo. Big love to you all. Thank you so, so much for listening. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs, and I look forward to bringing you another episode very soon of Living With Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. Stay safe.